All right. Um, we remember our key scripture was taken from Romans 12, verses 1 to 2 and 2, and in the message version of it. And just to establish some form of uh, protocol, I'm going to read it again. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it, even without, without even thinking, I beg your pardon. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. And we established on Sunday that for too long our relationship with God has been transactional, which is that we are always asking God, what can you do for me? If I do this, that's when you get it. And we said that in many cases, people don't do things for God anymore because they haven't gotten things from God. I prayed, I fasted, uh, I've, uh, I've gone for vigil and all of that, and it seems not to be working, and therefore, God, I'm not going to you know, talk to you or I'm not going to relate with you anymore. And then we established that the key word here is offering, which means to give away. And we talked about the genealogy of Adam. We talked about the uh, akinness that we have, the likeness that we have to God, and that God's nature is that of giving, that it's only Godlike when you give, and establish that in many, many scriptures, including John 3 16. I'm just paraphrasing for you so I can give you. Now, we also went further and talked about the fact that it is imperative for us to embrace that what God does for us is the best thing that we can do for him. Embracing what God does for us is what we can do. And we admonish ourselves not to be so well adjusted uh, to the culture. And you hear that many times in this church. Now we also talked about, we took a defining scripture. And that is found in Genesis 22. Uh, and if you read all the way down, which is talking about how Abraham sacrificed his only son of promise, uh, Isaac, or intended to sacrifice his only son uh, of promise, Isaac. And we all know that story. And then quickly, we established some, um, uh, some principles of sacrificial living, talking about the will, will, willingness of sacrifice, the, the um, weight of sacrifice, the, of course, the preparation of sacrifice, the aroma of sacrifice, and we finally talk about the benefit of sacrifice. If I remember very well, we ended that discussion on the fact that we said Abraham put something on the table. And that's why he got the kind of blessing that he got. And I remember Pastor Steve coming here and admonishing us, also reiterating it, that how do we want the blessing of Abraham when we do not want to do what Abraham did? And we said that it is virtually impossible for us not to get the blessing of Abraham if we are not prepared to do what Abraham did. And I remember my last uh, uh, statement to you is that what do you have on the table? We know what Abraham put on the table. The question to you is that what do you have on 
the table. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So we are going to continue from there this way. Uh, we talked about Genesis uh, 22, 15 to 18, where God promised. He made so many promises about because of what Abraham did. And I remember when we got into pastor's office after uh, the service, he brought up one particular thing. If you go to Genesis, I believe that was in verse 14, 22, 14. 22, 14. Give me Genesis 22, 14. Just a few steps there. Uh, no, go to 15, 15, 16. Go on. Go on. All right. Now, this is what pastor shared with us at the pastor's meeting. He said, and this is God speaking, and by myself, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Now, ask yourself, did Abraham sacrifice Isaac? Did he? He did? He sacrificed him? Okay, let me take it. Did he sacrifice him physically? Why? But he has sacrificed him from his heart. So, you know, when you remember Genesis 22, 1, he said, God tested Abraham. So, sometimes there's something we are holding on to that is so dear to us. And God does not want to take it from us, but he wants to establish our faithfulness. We remember the story of Job. When God used Job to roast, the devil was going and he said, where are you coming from? <laughs> and God used Job to boast. You know, sometimes I like the two sides of it. I want God to use me to boast. But at sometimes I say, hey, it's a serious thing that God uses you to boast. He said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Job? So, the first thing we want to establish this evening is that it's possible that there's something that we're holding on to. And God just wants to use it to test us. He doesn't even want the thing. So God ministers to you and says, you know what? I want you to go to the old people's home. Because if we use church as an example, people will think that we want to carry money and put in church. This is not what the kingdom is about. We are not about. We are about doing good. So God says, this Christmas, I want you to go to the old people's home. And I want you to go and be a blessing to orphans. Or not old people, the orphanage. You want to be a blessing to orphans. And you are saying to God, you know how much I suffer to buy this bag of rice that my family and I are going to share over this Christmas. And God says, go and sow it. And you are struggling. You know what I like about that scripture? Go back. Give me 15 or 14. Give me that same 14. Uh, aha. It says, and Abraham called the place of, called the name of the place what? The Lord will provide. Now, when Abraham 
was going to sacrifice. And his son asked him, where is the substance of sacrifice? He said, don't worry. The Lord will provide. And when God instructs us, many times, and we're going deeper and deeper. You know, this season we're talking about deeper and deeper. This is not surface Christianity. I don't know why God always tests, and I will show you, that he does not do, he doesn't test you in your abundance. He tests you in your lack. The mark of a true Christian is the ability to give when you do not even have. When it does not make sense. That is why you will find out that a man of God that does not have biological child will pray for people and they will have children. And people will ask, are you sure you are really a man of God? You are praying for other people and they are getting the fruit of the womb. And yet, you, you don't have. Amen. It's, it's right. We've seen this many times. Many men of God. 20 years, they are waiting on God. And yet, they will pray. And others will get. Because the Bible says that it is out of your weakness that you will draw strength. Any one of us that is relying on what we have to be able to do the work of God, I hate to disappoint you this evening, you have not even started. If you are looking at what you have, whether by your purse, whether your ability, let me tell you what. If the vision God has given you does not make you restless and not unable to sleep at night, check it. It may not be a vision from God. Because he, he, he has not called you to small things. Yes, you can start small, but he has called you to big things. And usually, the vision that God gives you, you never have the capacity to do it. Let me give you an example. And I'm going to use the man of God as an example. When we started this church, he had one very beautiful car. He had one very beautiful car. Uh, I think it was a Toyota Privia. One of the first I'd seen then. Fridge inside. Love, fun, nice car. I wanted to pay whether it was a rent or something and all of that. And he decided that he was going to sell the car so that we could raise money to pay. So he put it in the car showroom. So God said to him, oh, you think it is the car that will sort you out, Abby? Hold on. Guess what? The very showroom he kept the car, the NDLA were going around shutting car shops. How long was that car there for? Until we completed everything we wanted to do. Meanwhile, we were here. We were in, uh, doing VG. Guess what? Until we completed everything we wanted to do, the car was not released. It wasn't released. And when they released it, they brought it to church. You know why? God just wanted to tell you that it's not out of your abundance that you're going to show. It's out of that your lack that I'm going to show you. So guess what? If there's something that you are lacking, if you are in a position of lack in every area, welcome to the club. 
God is about to promote you. I think I thought that somebody would clap when. So I said God was more concerned about Abraham's intention to give rather than the actual giving itself. So let's quickly go to some sacrificial living in the Bible. And I'm just going to quickly read some to you. There's first Kings uh, 17, 9 to 16. It talks about the widow of Zarephath where uh, God speaking to Elijah said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a window, a widow there to provide for you. The word provide again. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a woman was there gathering sticks, and he called her and said, Please give me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was about to go, as she was going to get it, he called her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said. But make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour, the bin of flour shall not be used up, neither shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she said, and she and her and she and he and her household did what? Ate for many days. And guess what? The bin of flour was not used up, neither was the jar of oil, neither did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word which he spoke to Elijah. And I know you are familiar, so I'm not going to talk about that. But my own concern this evening is that it's another example of how from lack. Now, in Sidon, could it have been that woman alone that lived in Sidon. I'm sure there must have been some rich people in Sidon. In fact, I think if you go into Luke, I think if you look, there's somewhere in Luke that he says that, and he talks about it, that there were many widows in Israel. How come it was that woman? So sometimes, when God wants to bless you, he needs cooperation from your scarcity and your lack. Broken or bad. Because he needs it to work with you. He needs it. I don't know what it is. Perhaps when we are bound, we are in such pleasure and splendor that it's difficult for us to hear the voice of God. So I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. He does it that it is only when there's scarcity that he seems to move. I'm going to open it up. We're going to discuss it. But please quickly take some notes. The same thing with Anna. And you find that in 1 Samuel uh, uh, um, uh, 1 and uh, verse 5. It says, But to Anna, he would give a double portion. For he loved Anna, although the Lord had closed her womb. Hello. Again, while her mate, and please forgive me with this illustration. You know, 
the animal that gives birth a lot, pop, uh, dogs. I don't mean that in a derogatory manner. I just mean in terms of, that's why he called them a litter of puppies. So why are mates who are just breeding, breeding like rabbit? Okay, let me use rabbit. Nothing. They went to fertility clinic. Nothing. They fasted. Nothing. They went to Shiloh every year. Gave her double portion. Nothing. And until what? Anna had to make a vow and said to God, that child that you have not given me. No, I need you to read the Bible properly. You know, if she's made that vow after Eli had spoken to her, after Eli, okay, Eli had spoken to her, they said, okay, this time next year, you have a child. Then she could easily have said, I am now going to give you that child. No, she didn't even wait for Eli. She activated her own blessing by saying, that thing that I don't have, I'll give you. On Sunday, I was talking about the fact that when you, when, when, when you, when you, when you make, when you look for relevant scriptures in the Bible to pay your tithe, you haven't started with God. I don't even want to know about the argument. What I want to say to you is that there is a need in the house of God. So if you go my father's house in the village, I think at some point in time last year I had to give them money to the roof. Why? And I, I don't sleep there. I don't live there. But it is my father's house. They point to it. That's body just compound. Who amongst us here would like our father's house to be uh, derelict, broken down? So when, when we have this argument, it's not about, there's a need in the house. There's a need in the house. There's no, don't, there's no scripture about it. The minimum you should be doing is that when there's a need in the house, you respond to it. And when I'm talking about responding to it, I'm not just talking about money. If there's a need of manpower in the house, give it. If the man of God says, there's going to be a service on Monday morning at 9 o'clock. If you can sacrifice time, come. Because that's the level of Christianity if you want to walk deeper with God. That's where you're supposed to be. Not every Sunday we come. Anyway, let's, let me just show that I won't take so we talked about uh, uh, um, uh, Anna. He says, and she made a vow. He says, if you, she made a vow and said, oh Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maid servant, affliction, and remember me and not forget your maid servant, but will give your maid servant a male child, then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. But let me not take too much time. Let me just give you one more and then we can go into the discussion part of it. In Mark 4, in Mark 14, I beg your pardon, we're going to be reading from verse 3. And for this time, I'm using the new King James Version. It says, And being in Bethany, at the house of Simon the leper, 
as he sat at the table, this Jesus, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly spikenard. Very costly. Very costly. Valuable. That's what she put on the table. Hannah put her son on the table. Hello? I said, Anna put her son on the table. The widow of Zarephath put her last meal, technically, on the table. So this lady put it here. And it says here, then she broke the flask. Not that she even brought it. Having, she first had it in her possession, then she broke it and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant amongst themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. How many of us are doing a good work for Christ? How many of us are putting stuff on the table for God? Let me take it from there and we enter into the discussion proper. Maybe, first of all, maybe comment on whatever we've said before we then take the five principles of sacrifice and we look at them in depth. Any comments? Any comment on anything that we have said so far? Especially the fact that God always deals with your lack. Always deals with your lack. You remember the woman with the, uh, the widow's mite? We'll come, we'll talk about it. So, are we clear? We are clear we are where we are. That God usually deals with your what? Lack. Pastor, want to say something, sir? Yeah. Can't capture you. Um, you asked a question, you said, you asked a question, you said, why is it that God always goes to people that don't have enough mm. and ask them to make a demand make it uh, make, make a donation yeah. you have only one son and god says bring it you're a widow you have one last meal god says bring it i think people that have a lot it gets into our head and so when god says do something you have an attitude you know if you reach about, if you read in the Bible how God describes rich people, when we, you don't know people until they have money, and so their real attitude shows they're not very cooperative and they act like they're tipping God and they're helping God. But you see, when you don't have and you're a believer, you can't even have a bad attitude. I think a lot of rich people need to read the bible and go back and adjust to so that when you, as you increase your the size of your head doesn't increase because when god says give something and you have a lot of money you can even just throw it in the offering and say it doesn't mean anything to me and you can't give an offering like that i'm not saying it's easy for people that lack 
to give, but most and generally, it appears they do better than people that have a lot. If you tell a man that has six sons, go and bring one of the sons, you say, what is wrong with you? But Abraham had one and, and gave it. So I think the lesson here is, before you make it, pray that God will keep your head from swelling when you make it so that when God makes a demand on you, you don't act very badly. And even if you don't have, you should understand that whatever God is asking you for, he really doesn't need it. But it will help you prove to God and prove to yourself that you love God and that God has a reason to now multiply it back to you. Didn't the Bible say give and it shall be given back to you? Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Now, so let me conduct an exercise this evening. I just want you to ask yourself, what is too big that you can't give God now? Honest. Be honest. What is too big? You know, um, there's something I've been believing God for. And I got, I'm almost literally there. You understand? And when I got it, I was saying to myself and all that. You know the next thing I said to myself? Lord, give me the conviction that if you ask me to give it up right now, without thinking, I will give it up. This is something that all my life I've been believing God for. But if you give me in fact, let me tell you a prayer you want to pray for yourself. That that thing that you cannot give up for God, may he not give it to you. That that thing that will stand between you and God. Yeah, it's an idol. So some of us, we get married. Our husband and our wife become the idol. Some of us, is the blessing that God has given to us. Some of us, is the car. Some of us is the material possession. In fact, guess what? Some pastors is the church. It is the church. Then you hear my church. You hear my church. You know what? Do you know? Do you know something? You are this you started this church. God can post you out of this church. You can post them. You can say that, you know what? I need you to now go to so, 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 so place. And you're saying, God, in this place of comfort, we are talking real Christianity now. Do you understand me? We are, not, we are not in shallow waters. We have gone very deep. Deeper. Because there are some things that God will make a demand on you. He just, he, you know, for you to have fellowship with him, you have to operate at that level. Like I said on, on, on Sunday, when he called, he said, in Isaiah, he said, who shall we send? He says, here I am. Send me. Send me. Don't, don't look at me as if I'm funny. Even me, I'm believing God. I just want to hear whatever he tells me. And I respond quickly. You know why? Because I have faith. You know, 
I read somewhere that the understanding that Abraham had was that even if he slaughtered Isaac, God had the ability to bring him back to life. So it's it's what you call the Japanese call it kamikaze. You have kamikaze faith, the kind of faith that says to you, you know what? This there's no compromise. This is where I am going, this is where I stand. A 13-year-old or how many 11-year-old girl? They released everyone and they said, Excuse me, you deny Christ and we'll let you go. She says over her dead body. She couldn't take, she didn't take the easy way out. Let me tell you a secret. Serving God is not about convenience. Living a life of sacrifice is not about convenience. Anyway, let's go forward. Any comments? Yes, Sister Topper. Hallelujah. Please, let's see you. She didn't brush her hair. <laughs> but don't worry, you're always looking pretty anyway. <laughs> yeah, we'll pass up. Good evening. Good evening, Church. Mm-hmm. I just want to share my experience. Um, because when Pastor was saying, when you don't have it, you know, we kind of have, want to think we'll be sincere with God whenever He gives us something. Something happened to me some months back. One, someone that is my neighbor just called me. I said, please, oh, my sister, I'm selling a water battery. Kindly help me to, if you see anybody that wants to buy. So, I, fortunately for me, I just told one of my clients, he said he needs a water battery. So, I, gave, I told him, I, I have someone that is selling that is not even from Nigeria. I brought it in himself from Canada. So, the man just said, so I was just able to help him to sell like 20-something batteries. And I was, I didn't have money. I was just sitting down on my own. I wasn't, the man did not, we didn't negotiate commission or anything whatsoever before. So I just saw a lot on my phone, 50K. And I was not asking myself. I wanted to quickly go out and go and buy something. But and I remember I didn't pay tax. <laughs> I didn't want to pay the tax. I was just telling myself that. But, you know, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit told me, said, you did not even, this money was not even something you were even expecting. Yes. It's not your salary, it's mm. not your entitlement. Someone just look at you. And, and bless you. And I'm still thinking, God, why do I have to pay? Do I have to pay anything at all? But I just realized that what Pastor said is, is, is the truth. When we don't have, we kind of want to really be sincere. But when that money enter our account, mm. kind of attitude we now Mm-mm. put. So God, mm. God help me too in Jesus' name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brother uh, Harrison. While I'm at it, do you know that? Go on, go on. They're bringing the microphone to you. Do you know Anna could have changed her mind? Yeah. How many of us have done it? First of all, he said, you know what? If you read that scripture, tell you, she, got, she, she wind the child. Bible says that she wind the child and then she brought the child and then gave it, you know, the house of the Lord. You know, some of them that said, ah, you know, Lord, yes, the winning period is over, but you know, he's growing one tooth. 
Uh-huh. Let me keep him until he grows here. Then while he's going there, the second one has come. You know we're very good at giving excuses. We're very good at giving excuses. And don't look at me funny. You've done it before too, haven't you? <laughs> yes, Brother Harrison. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, a wise pastor once said to me, he said, when what you have is not enough mm. to do what to you get to what do, you yeah. need, yeah. then it is a seed. Mm. Absolutely mm. brilliant. Mm. I will never forget that for the rest mm. of my life. So, mm. there's something that Pastor Yomi said just now. He's, he talked about relationship. I was talking to a friend some time back and I said to him the minute we begin to see Christianity as a relationship not as a religion a religion is flat mm-hmm. but Christianity is like a towering Shoot. mountain because it has levels mm. what is attainable on level 1 cannot be the same thing that is attainable That's on right. level 20 That's right. but God has done it in such a way that you can actually jump there is possibility for double, triple, quadruple promotion in Christianity. You can jump from level 2 to level 15 if you want. But are you ready to do what the person at level 15 is doing? It's not enough to just say, oh, I see Pastor A, Pastor B doing so well. Do you understand the sacrifice that they are giving into what they are doing? Are you ready to go from level 2 to level 15? So Pastor Yomi has hit so many nails on so many heads as far as I'm concerned. Seriously. I just want to thank God for what I've heard tonight. Bless you. Uh, um, If you can quickly help me with Luke 21. You want to say something? You want to say, it's okay. It's an interactive Bible study. Uh, You always do this. Towards the end, then your hands will start going up. But quickly help me with Luke 21, verse 1. Luke 21, verse 1. And I think I want to even read that in the... If you can give me the Amplified... Uh, AMPC. If you can, do you have that? Yeah. It says, Jesus looking up. Looking up, I beg your pardon. Jesus saw the rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. The people from Banana. Uh, where are those other places? They were putting their eco well, just named that they were putting their gifts into the treasury, Victoria Island, Lekki. But what happened? And he also saw a poor widow putting in two mites, copper coins, two mites gone. And he said, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. Is it possible somebody put two pennies? And another person put a hundred thousand naira. And Jesus is telling us that this widow has put in a lot. You know what it means? It's not about the quantity. It is about the heart, the intent, and the substance of what you have compared to what you have given. Let me tell you, people are you know, you see some people, <laughs> you see some people doing well, and you wonder, they have sono. They have sono. Let me tell you another story in this church. 
One day we invited a brother to come and speak, to come and preach. And then, we're, and he looked and looked and looked and said, you know something, God has told me that I should raise an offering to buy the man of God a car. We didn't, he didn't ask him, we didn't say anything. In fact, the man of God came in a car. But for whatever reason, he said, yeah, uh, he, God, man of God should get a car. And he raised, talked to people and everybody said, okay, okay. And as he was driving home, he himself came then in a Mercedes-Benz E200 round light. Round light. He had just, round light had just come out then. The bad, badest car. Guess what? He said as he was driving home, the Holy Spirit told him that, you that you raised the offering, what are you doing? He said to us that when we have gathered our money, and whatever is left, he will add. That's what he said that day. He said, you don't lead from the back. You lead from the front. Do you know what the Holy Spirit told him? Go back. Go and drop the car for the man of God. You don't understand what I'm talking about. Brand new E-class. He turned back and came to the man of God in his house. Said, man, I, got, I, know, I thought you had gone home. Is there a problem? He said, no. And knelt down and gave him the key of the car. He said, what for? He said, God said I should give you. I don't need it. I have a car here. Maybe I even have two cars in my company. Well, it's not about you needing it or not. This is what God said I should do. And it took him a while to convince the man of God to collect the key because he said, if you don't collect this key, you are barring my own blessing. So finally, the man of God said, okay, let me just even collect it. I will think of what to happen. So, all right, where did he live? VGC. He's in GRA Keja. Man of God said, okay, let me go and drop you. I said, no. Holy Spirit told him that you can't drop me. Uh, okay, let me not drop you at home. Let me drop you at Maryland. And he said, no. Guess what? Do you know how he went home? Okada. Now, ladies, imagine if that man is your wife. <laughs> your husband, I beg your pardon. <laughs> he left home with the car that you were waiting for to go and use to shine at your old girls' meeting. And then he came, he said, he gave the car to Pastor Femi. As what? Pastor Femi doesn't have a car. No, he has cars. He has two cars. Ah, are you sure? This man, you? Who is the man? Are you surprised that that guy is doing so well today? I'm just challenging you. And I'm challenging myself. Let nothing be too big or difficult for you to give up for God. Has he bought many cars after that? Many. Many. Let's bless the name of the Lord. Okay. Does it, you want to make a comment? Yeah. Then we end up with the five principles of sacrifice. Just very quickly. How many of us remember them and then what do we remember from them? Very quickly. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, middle. You have to be in the middle. Okay. Um, when I was thinking about this message, three things came to my mind. And Pastor Jeremy had mentioned one. 
And one of it was, you know, it's not about the quantity of what you are giving, but the substance. Mm. Now, the substance is based on the depth of your love for God. How deep is your love for God? And what is the level of your obedience? Because it's easy. I mean, take for instance, Anna, who before Eli had even told her, oh, you're going to be blessed with a son next year. Her love, I, I, I feel that it was her love for God that, you know what, I have so much faith in you. I know you will not disappoint me. So based on that and based on the love I have for you and based on the fact that, yes, um, I've, I've probably been obedient to your word. I will go, I will, I will um, I'll probably take a step further in mm. faith. Which, even as I am talking like this, mm. it's hard for me. Mm. Ha. I know that they have been in situations where I don't even know how I am going to solve it. And, you know, God will just be like, Bukola, you have to do this thing. And sometimes it's not even about money. Mm. We think it's money. It's not money. And I will... Think about it, think about it, think about it, think about it, think at, at some point I'll be like, ah, but God, you said it that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Okay, so if I do it now, now it's left to you, I've done it. Yeah, that's And right. so God, because you know that your word will not return mm-hmm. back to Boy. you, boy. You have asked mm-hmm. me to do this, so I will do it. Mm-hmm. So you will come through for me in your, for mm. me in your name. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, you know, it's the depth of the love that we have for God and the level of our obedience. Some of mm. us... I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to obey. It's, it's really, really hard to obey. But once we can cross that, that threshold, threshold yeah. then, you know, it's easier. Amen. I think I like what you said. Not I think I like what you said. You said a step further. We take a step further. So you want to ask yourself, in this season, what further step have you taken? What further step have you taken? Let's take from what she said. Yes, every day you do this. Every time you do this. But God is calling you deeper and deeper. He's calling you higher and higher. And for you to get there, you have to take a further step. So what definitive further step are you taking? Maybe you pray one hour or you pray 30 minutes a day and you're saying to yourself, you know what? I want to pray one hour. Maybe you fast once a week. I want to start twice a week. Maybe you read your Bible for what? I want to go further. He says the path of the righteous man does what? Shines brighter and brighter until the day of his coming. So let's take that away. Practically, what further step am I taking? Maybe in my giving, what further step am I taking? I know some of us in the early days of this church, we used to do 20%. Hello? We used to do 20%. Am I right, sir? And it wasn't any preaching we heard. It was the conviction of our hearts that made us do 20%. The fear that came that we said, ah, that 20% it looks as if it's too much. Then we reduced it to 15 Some of us were doing... 20%. What is 10? We are doing 20%. We've got, we've become very comfortable. 
When we started this church, we were having vigil every Friday. Every Friday we were having vigil. We didn't even have a church like this. We had one flat. Yeah, we had one flat. Just one living room, one flat. We had vigil every Friday. When we started the church, without saying to anybody on Saturday evening, you think that it is a service going on. Why? People coming from weddings, what have they come to do with their gilet? To come and wash toilets. To wash toilets. Some of you were here when we were building. Some of the finest ladies in here were carrying cement on their head to do this. A step further. That's why God will never leave or forsake some of his own. Praise the Lord. Okay, let me just quickly round up so that I won't... Uh, we talked about the five principles of sacrifice. How many of you remember five principles of sacrifice? Yeah. Does anybody want to give me one? The first one. The very first principle of sacrifice. Very first principle of... Bible students. Bible students. Very first principle of... I allow you to look at your notes. Sorry? Willingness of sacrifice. You know, I, I, I saw something and I want to share it with you. In Proverbs 21, 27. Proverbs 21, 27. Please help me with that. Proverbs 21, 27. He said, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked intent? <laughs> so, it's one thing for you to bring a sacrifice. It's another thing for you to bring it willingly. So, when you have a wicked intent in bringing the sacrifice, it's unacceptable. He said wicked intent. I want to show that I'm a big boy in this church. So when they're offering, ah, hallelujah, <laughs> the choir is singing very well. Then I bring out a word of note. I flip it up and I drop it. Ah, people say, baba, oh, big boy. That's wicked intent. Wicked intent. And he says it's an abomination. It's an abomination. Let me take you, because I'm going to be looking at Then we talk about the weight of sacrifice. The weight of sacrifice. And if you remember, we talked about Genesis 4, verses 3 to 5. Genesis 4, 3 to 5. Genesis 4, 3 to 5. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. That means that as he was walking, he was just walking, he was just walking. Uh, uh, we should give a sacrifice to God today. And he saw mango. He saw purple, he saw pineapple, and he just picked it off the ground, and that's what he sacrificed to God. Now, on the other hand, he says, Abel also brought of the firstborn. For you to get the firstborn, that means that you carefully selected. You paid attention. Which one is the firstborn? Which one is the secondborn? Which one is the third one? You even make sure you inspect the firstborn to make sure that there is no blemish. And not only did he do that, he brought and their fats. He added fats. He added jara. 
What was the consequence? God respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain. Because the substance was not weighty. And that's what we talked about when we said the widow's might. We also talked about the number three. What's number three? Number three is what? Preparation of sacrifice. And thank the man of God. He gave me one scripture. Second Chronicles 12. And I'm going to read 13 to 14. Second Chronicles 12, 13 to 14. Thus Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now Rehoboam was 41 years when he became king and he reigned 70 years in Jerusalem. The city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His name, his, mother, his mother's name was, you know. Then give me the next verse. What? And he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek God. Have you read that in the Bible before? So even when you want to give a sacrifice, you have to prepare for the sacrifice. Coming to church is a sacrifice. Like I said to you on Sunday. Working for God is a sacrifice. So prepare. Don't just come to church. Don't just handle the things of God with levity. When you are coming up here, this is not a sitting room. You know, what you call a parlor. Right? This is not a... When you are coming here, either to do work, you do it as if you are entering the innermost of sanctuaries. You prepare yourself. Even, like I said, from church on Sunday, prepare yourself. Anyway, I know we've said a lot of that. Now, number four. What was number four? The aroma of sacrifice. In Psalm 66, verse 15, it says, I will offer you burnt sacrifices of fat animals with sweet aroma of rams, and I will offer bulls with goats, selah. Now, of all the things, the, the principles, that's the only one that connects with God. Why? And we debated this at the pastor's meeting, and you know, the aroma itself, can you capture aroma? And it's like what? Spirit. Can you capture the spirit? What is God? Does he eat meat? Does he drink milk? So the things that can connect with him is the aroma of your sacrifice. What fragrance? So it is a totality. The aroma of your sacrifice is the totality of your willingness, is the totality of your substance, coupled with the totality of your preparation. It's only then you can get that aroma. If your willingness is weak, if your uh, uh, um, substance is weak, if your preparation is weak, no aroma, no fragrance. And God responds to the fragrance. So you've got to take it very important. For reason of time, I'm sure I think you should go home and go and 
you know, do a lot of um, study on this fragrance and aroma of God. Now, finally, we talked about the benefits of the sacrifice. And again, that was found, we found out in Genesis 22. Genesis 22, 15 to 18. You know it? Did you remember it? Hello? You want me to put it up for you again? Okay, please put up. Uh, now it came to pass that after, no, 15, 15, Genesis 15 to 18. Just so that I can remind the people of God at home. Genesis 15, 22, 15 to 18. 15. Okay, let me read it from my own. Okay. Then the angel of God, of the Lord, appeared, called to Abraham a second time out of heaven, and he answered, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your son, your only son, go on, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sands which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. One. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you did what? Obeyed my voice. This evening, as we round it up, I want to remind you that as Christians, you have been called to a life of sacrifice. You have not been called to a life of convenience. You are a Christian soldier. The Bible says, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. So I want you to examine yourself this evening. In what area, whatever area that you have started looking back, or that you have even looked back, or that you have even gone back. Tonight is a clarion call for each and every one of us to rededicate ourselves to life of God. To a life of sacrifice, not a life of Christianity. Um, not a life of uh, uh, convenience, I beg your pardon. To a life that emulates that of God. This season that is, as we enter into the Yuletide, the Yuletide is about giving. Because he came so that he could die to carry away our sins. Bear this in mind as you walk the journey of God. And my prayer is that we will all come out triumphant in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.